Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. It is uh, truly an honor uh, to be here when Mel asked me uh, a few months ago to come and uh, you know, in the busyness of just ministry, leadership life, right, all of a sudden you start looking at your calendar, and uh, I got done with my study break in July and started re-engaging in, in August, and I saw this date, and I was like, I, I cannot wait just to uh, uh, spend time with all of you. I spent some time with staff earlier today, and then just hanging out with Mel, and uh, I've said this to, I think, every group of people that I've met um, the last couple times I've, I've been around here. I was here at the Back 40 uh, Network, and I just tell you, um, some of church's heart to serve local area pastors and churches is, is in a day and age where everything is becoming more and more divided, right? Our country is just more and more divided, and Back 40 is all about uniting. And I tell you, not only is Back 40 living that out, uh, Mel was a first pastor in the entire state of Pennsylvania, uh, which I've discovered is an extremely large state. It just keeps going. I mean, I don't know how long it would take to drive on I-80 from one side to the other, but, right, and uh, he was the first one to reach out to me and uh, invite, invited me over, and we did our first time sitting. I, I don't know if you've had those conversations with people for the first time, or the first time you're talking with them. It, it, it's, like, it's like work to fill conversation for you know, an hour, two hours, like the whole time. You're just like trying to make up conversation. You're, you're thinking about the next thing you should ask them to keep the conversation going, right? We've all been there. And then there's that, that opposite moment where all of a sudden you look at your watch and two, two and a half hours are gone. And uh, somehow we ate as we talked. And it was, it was just one of those moments. And so he's been such an encouragement to me just uh, as a pastor, as a leader, and also what he's trying to do to uh, not just have Summit Church th- thrive, but to help other churches thrive. So uh, I'm a lead pastor at Tri-County Church in Dubois, and if you've never heard of Dubois, that's okay. I, I, I still am not sure if I have heard of Dubois either, but I live there. Uh, if you go straight north uh, through a very popular town called Punxsutawney, uh, we're, we're beyond that, right? Everyone's heard of Punxsutawney. Uh, before I even moved to Dubois, I made sure I found Punxsutawney. I went to Gobbler's Knob. I was the tourist. It was awesome. But we met this older gentleman that happened to be there that day. And uh, he goes, do you want a tour? And I'm like, sure. If you've been to Gobbler's Knob, I'm not sure what you tour, right? There's some wooden benches, a box that they shove a rat into, that's all there is. And I'm not exaggerating. Three hours later, he finally shut up. He was the most passionate person ever when it comes to Groundhog's Day. Like, three hours. My, my, my two girls were just like, Dad, please. You know, the look on their face. They didn't say that out loud, but the look, right? And I'm like, I, I, there's nothing I can do. The guy just would not. I heard I heard the entire history. I think he went back to when God created the groundhog and then made his way through every generation. And so, uh, uh, but it was, it, was, I, it was cool. And he really enjoyed um, that volunteer position. And so, uh, um, so we're 45 minutes north in Dubois. And uh, right now we have seven locations. And uh, when I took a step into Tri-County, uh, it was all already a multi-site church because the, the name, the church got started about 21 years ago with just a core group of people. And the vision was all about, we, 
We, we need a church in this local community where everyone can step, take a step in. We need a church in a local community where no matter what you believe or what you don't believe, no matter what you've done in life, what you're doing in life, like, like, like they would be welcome. And this small group of people went to a Billy Graham crusade. And the name of the Billy Graham crusade was a tri-county crusade. And as they were sitting there, God was stirring on their hearts. And they're like, you know what? We should call it tri-county church because we want a church that reaches into all of these local communities. And so with a group of six, they went and found a pastor that was living in Butler, Pennsylvania, and uh, said, hey, why don't you move to Dubois and uh, start this church? And so Dave Bish and his family moved there. And in 2016, what's interesting, in 2016, it was January, my wife and I were in South Florida at a church, and it was just not a good situation. Maybe you've been through a church before that's just not a good situation. And we were in a church in South Florida, not a good situation. And in January of 2016, uh, we had actually flown to Lock Haven. If you know where Lock Haven is, it's kind of on the other side. It's off I-80 on the other side of State College area. And uh, my father-in-law was a pastor there at a small church in Mill Hall, a small church there. And uh, it's the borough of Mill, Mill Hall. I never heard of a borough until I went to Mill Hall. And then I'm like, oh, there's boroughs. In Vegas, where I spent 17 years, burrows were something completely different. Um, but uh, um, but uh, and, and so we were there visiting for Christmas, and in January, about January 5th, we were driving back to Baltimore to fly back to South Florida, and my wife and I had this conversation. We just said, we, we, got, we, got, we got to take a step because we, just, we, just, we have to take a step. And in one of the darkest kind of moments of our life, God just said, yeah, you, you, you got to. And so we started to work through the plans of leaving two good-paying jobs that, on, on paper, the church, right? On paper, the church looked beautiful. And uh, we went back and spent the next four months trying to figure out how to um, leave two jobs. And so we did, and uh, we moved to Lock Haven thinking we we're going to help launch a church back in the New York City area. And we, had, we still have a ton of friends there, and so... Uh, in January, as we're driving back, in January, as we're going through one of our darkest periods of our life, Dave Bish was running on a trail run in Lock Haven, and on this trail run in January, it's called the Frozen Snot. Isn't that a great name? And uh, he was on this trail run, and he was in good health, mid-50s, good health, and he, he, he just fell over and died. And you see, you think about these moments of life. My wife and I are driving to, to Baltimore to fly back to South Florida, and we just knew we had to get out of the situation. And we, as, as, as leaders, knew we had to get out of the situation, but we as parents are going, we're going to move our kids again. And if you've been in that situation as parents, moving your kids again, it is, it is a weight. But we also knew the health that was going to come from a decision like that. And so in January, in our darkest moment, Tri-County Church was going through their darkest moment when their founding pastor just is gone. One day he's there and one day he's not. And as this church went through the grieving process trying to figure out what to do now, my wife and I were going through our grieving process trying to figure out what we would do now. In June we moved up to Lock Haven and uh, I spent a lot of time with my father-in-law just helping um, 
his small little church and uh, encouraging him, and he encouraged me, and at 43, I'm like, yay, I'm living with my in-laws. That, that's a new high, right? <laughs> uh, you know, of course, my girls were like, Grandma and Grandpa, yay! I'm like, oh, I'm a proud moment, you know? I, I'm now sweeping the church, you know, and... Uh, but man, it was such a special time because I have such an incredible set of in-laws. I mean, just... And as we were trying to figure out how to launch this church in the New York City area, all of a sudden God said, don't go east, go west. I spent 17 years in Las Vegas, approximately three plus years outside of New York City and actually living in Manhattan. Spent another about a year and a half down the Miami area. And if you think about that, Las Vegas, New York City, Miami, Dubois fits that really nice. <laughs> right? I mean, it just, it just, it all fits together, right? It's like, yeah, that, so when people ask me, where am I from? I'm like, well, how do I explain this? Right? How did I get here? But how I got there was because God, he just knew. He just knew. You see, I, I don't know what you're experiencing in life right now. I don't. I don't know what you're facing, you do. I don't know what's swirling in your world. But here's what we all know. In life, we, we face insurmountable things, don't we? Things that are too great to overcome, too difficult to navigate, too daunting to think about, and too overwhelming to face. Right? We, all, we all do that. Right? We face these moments where we're like, God, like, how in the world am I going to overcome? God, how in the world am I going to be able to make it through another day? How in the world am I going to figure this out? What are we going to do when the answers feel so few? So when you're facing the impossible, where do you turn? Where do you turn? Right? The impossible you're facing right now, where do you turn? Who do you turn to? And so many times, and I don't know your spiritual journey, if you've been around church for, for a long time, you know there's this word faith. And maybe you've said to someone, or maybe someone has said to you, have you ever heard someone say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle? Have you, have you heard that? Do you realize that's not true? Right? I mean, it's just not I mean, you just have to go to Jesus, right? What was Jesus doing in the garden? Begging God to remove what was coming to him, the cross. Begging God. God, God, I don't, I don't want to face what I'm going to face. I don't want to experience what I'm going to experience. I mean, just that moment alone, I've had people come up to me and say, well, well, well God won't give me more than I can handle. I'm like, God, just go to Jesus. It was more than he could handle. But then Jesus said, not my will, God, but your will be done. God, I don't want to go through this, but God, I'm going to follow you. And so many times in this spiritual journey, we relegate these impossible moments that we face, saying, oh, God won't give you more. Like, no, the Bible says that God will give you enough to make it through today. And then when you get to tomorrow, guess what God's going to give you? Right? Enough to get through that day. And then guess what? It's going to repeat the next day. That God's promise is, I'm going to give you enough today. And then when you get to tomorrow, I'll give, I'm your provision for that day. And so many times we're like, but if you had enough faith, 
And now we just use this faith word, right, as a band-aid that covers everything. And I know I've faced moments in my life where hmm, faith, just that one word, doesn't feel like it's enough to get me through. But then I discovered something. When we look at this word faith, there's two other words that just layer it together. Think of, think of an Oreo, a double-stuffed Oreo. Oh, is there anything better than a double You know what I like to make? A quadruple stuff. You know that, right? You take two tops off, and then you put those together. If you have not tried that, I'm a fan. Like, it's not keto or paleo or any other right eating plan. I'm just telling you, when you make a quadruple Oreo, it will change your life. Some of you have never thought about it. You should. That's exactly why Mel asked me to come for that moment right there. But right, so you have this quadruple Oreo. Faith is in the middle. But these other two words that are just, they're interconnected. They're linked together. You can't, you can't separate them out. It's trust and belief. Right, so many times we just, we just say faith, and that, I, I'm not, it's a good word, but with faith comes trust and belief. Trusting that God will do everything he said he was going to do. Believing that God is who he says he is. And there's this guy in the Bible, which is really interesting when you think about his story. Because in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's just non-existent. And then all of a sudden, the church gets launched, and now he's in a seat of some type of position of, of leadership. When Jesus is here on this earth, you don't hear about him. But then the church gets launched, and he appears. And that's James, Jesus' brother. And James wrote something that... Uh, I think it came out of his own spiritual journey. Because when James emerged on the scene, persecution of this, what we call church, a gathering of people, they were called, actually called the way, right? They were the people of the way. And when James emerged on the scene, all this persecution was raining down on them. And in the midst of the persecution, James actually emerges and James writes these words in James chapter 1, verse 2. And maybe, 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 maybe you have these words memorized. Right? So if you have these words memorized, I just ask, just act like you don't for the next few minutes. Just act like you don't. If you've never heard these words, awesome. right? Because sometimes when you see something for the very first time, that's great. But if you have them memorized, I know some of you do. You got a sticker in VBS as a kid. Just act like you don't, right? So James writes these words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Well, let's just stop there for a moment. Because we got to go to this very first word, consider. Because when we read this word, consider, it's easy in our modern day English, right, to start applying, whether subliminally, you know, kind of out there and we're not really thinking about it, or, or maybe just maybe, like, like we actually think about it. But when we think about this word consider, right, it really means that there's an option or a possibility, right? You cons we consider things all day. When I was driving from Dubois to the great state of Indiana, <laughs> 
By the way, when I moved to Dubois, people kept on talking about Indiana. I'm like, that's a really long drive. Then some, someone one day said, no, there's a city called Indiana. I'm like, oh, surprise, right? Right? When I was driving here, I had one thing I was considering, Starbucks. It was a one thing, right? I'm like, I know there's other good coffee shops here. I've been to those. Great, great coffee, right? But I was considering, because here's what I knew. As I was driving here, and I was considering going to Starbucks, I knew when I used my Starbucks app and scanned that little bar to buy my coffee, I knew my wife, uh, who was working, would have a little alert that popped up on her phone that said I was at Starbucks. (laughs) And right when I scanned, guess what text I got? Are you really there? (laughs) Yes, right? So, right, we, we consider a whole bunch of things. You consider what to eat for dinner, what not to eat for dinner. Should we eat before or afterwards? Like, our day is filled with options and possibilities. And just think how that, that creeps into our mindset, right? Consider it pure joy. Or maybe there's other considerations when we face the insurmountable, the impossible moments in our life when everything's crashing in. Right? There's a lot of things we can consider. You could consider that... that, that, that that God is absent. You could consider that God's not fair. You could consider that you asked specifically and God didn't show up like you wanted him to. You, I mean, right, you could consider blame. You could consider anger. You could uh, consider, right, right uh, um, God, I, I'm just not sure if you're really there. Right? There's so many things that you can consider. There's options and possibilities whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that's why on the other side of the Oreo, belief and trust are so important to keep in focus when it comes to your faith journey. And when you think about this word consider, it has nothing to do with option or possibility. Actually, when you get to the root Greek word of the word consider, it has everything to do with leading, to lead. That's, that's the, the root word had everything to do with a military leader leading out in front into battle. Not the military leader that's in the very back hoping not to get hit by the arrows. No, no, it had everything to do with the military leader going first into battle, bringing the soldiers along with him. It had everything to do with a political leader that was going to lead the political party out in front. You see, when James wrote this word, he would say, no, 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 it's not about an option or possibilities. It's all about this must be your leading thought. This must be your first priority. When the insurmountable, when the impossible moments in your life come your way, this must be your leading thought. Right? That's where he's going. The first thing you need to think about, the first thing that you need to face, your first priority It's pure joy, full joy, complete joy, nothing but joy. That's a decision that you make. It's a decision I make. That whatever I face, am I going to choose complete Soul, nothing but joy.
He goes on, he goes, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, whenever. James is like, hey, it doesn't matter the time, the timing of it, doesn't matter what else is going on in your life, doesn't matter how many times you're facing something, doesn't matter how many different obstacles you're facing right now. He goes, whenever you face now, I love this word face. This is a great, great word. Again, you got it. Our English translation is so amazing, but it, it loses so much. Because when James is writing this, when he wrote the word face, he's using this Greek word that they used, uh, used for when uh, someone got robbed or someone uh, was shipwrecked. Right? Think about those two, two actions. I don't know if you've ever been robbed before. Uh, my car got broken into, parked at the church parking lot in Vegas one time. Right? There's this interesting feeling. If you've been robbed before, you, this interesting feeling when you go into your house or you go into your car, right, and you realize someone's been in it. Right? And what really ticked, ticked me off when they, when they uh, robbed my car, um, I had a car with an antenna on it. Do you remember those cars? They, they took the antenna, they unscrewed it, and then they snapped it in half and threw it in the back seat. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, what did the antenna do to you, right? Of course, they found nothing in it at that point. I was uh, leading the high school ministry, and so all that was in it was probably a bunch of old smelly socks from multiple camps that got left in my car, right? Like, it was just one of those seasons of life, right? But there's that feeling. But here's the thing. If you've ever been robbed before, and I don't know if anyone's been shipwrecked, but you don't plan for those moments, right? One day, life is going good, and the next day, what? Right? It happens. So I wrote this. Consider it uh, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face plant. Have you ever been running before? Or maybe just walking? Maybe you're married to this person that uh, does this all the time. But I was running one time, and it was through the, the streets of New York, and uh, the sidewalks aren't the best. And uh, I'm running through the streets of, of New York City, and I'm just at my pace. You know, I got my headphones on. Again, you're in New York City, so you're trying to look cool while you run. Some of you understand this, right? It, it's a thing. And so I'm trying to look cool while I run. And you know, like, sometimes with sidewalks, right, right they just raise up just a little bit. My toe hit that. I couldn't even brace myself. I face plant right, right in the middle. I mean, taxi cab drivers going by, they're honking their horn, and all I could do is wave, right? I mean, that, that's what this is, right? Life is just moving through. You're just moving on. And then all of a sudden, one day, right, you're just moving at a pace. And the next thing you know, you're on your face. And he goes, whenever you face plant trials, the insurmountable, of many kinds, a multi-colored, a mosaic of trials. I mean, James doesn't say, well, consider it pure joy if you have one thing going on in your life. Good luck. If you had one thing, it's joy. No, James is saying, no, 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 no. Whenever you face plant into a mosaic, a multi-colored, multiple trials, it doesn't matter what's coming your way. Still consider it pure joy because, and this is the real important part of this, right? because we all get seasons of life where it's a mosaic of trials. Maybe you're facing that season right now. I was sitting at a leadership team last night. It's our board or eldership, and uh, I just have a great team of people that uh, 
Um, they led so courageously after Dave died, and um, they loved the church deeply. And uh, I'm sitting there, and uh, one of the guys, his name's Robin, he's on our leadership team. He's been without a job. He had a really good sales job, and they just downsized, and he lost his job. His wife's been battling cancer for now four or five years. She's in stage four, and she's now at this last, last stage where... Um, The hospital in Pittsburgh is just, it's the last thing they could do after this. It's, there's, there's nothing more. And in the middle of this meeting, he gets a text. She's being rushed to the ER. He goes running out. At that moment, we were looking at um, this dashboard we, have, we do for all of our campuses just to celebrate the wins, the baptisms, salvations, attendance, all this stuff. And one of the dashboards for one of our campuses, one of the numbers was wrong. And I was just saying, hey, we just, there's an average that one of our campus pastors got a little wrong. Here's the adjusted number, just so everyone knows, right? So we're talking about this number. And all of a sudden, Robin goes running out, and we stop and we pray for him and for Kay. And then all of a sudden, it's like that one number on that sheet of paper looks so unimportant. It's like, really? I had one of my staff just average wrong as he runs. To, and it's, it's, it's been a season like that for them. Just one thing after another thing. As they try to save her life. And if you would meet Kay, you would have no idea that her body is dying from the inside out. And James says, like, because... This is why this is so important. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith. And here's the thing about testing. Sometimes God says yes in the trials, right? Have you ever prayed for someone, right? And they were healed? There's nothing like it. Where God does the miraculous Right, And you see him show up and you're celebrating whether it's in someone's room or the, the hospital room. Right, You're celebrating because right, you prayed with faith and God healed and the doctors can't explain and no one can explain, but you can because right, you prayed and God said yes. But what happens when God says no, not now, and not how? My wife and I, Try to have kids for seven years, and uh, some of you understand this journey. It was an interesting journey because my wife was uh, leading at, at our, the church we were at in, in Vegas. She was leading in the children's ministry, and uh, I was in high school ministry. And you know, every, every time we turned around, there was someone else pregnant. It was just all the time, and uh, and we were just we just wanted to have a family. And some of you understand that feeling. My wife would show up on, on the weekend services with a smile, and she'd stand there with, you know, person after person after person, you know, celebrating with them as they found out that they were pregnant, and then standing there with them as they were complaining about their pregnancy the whole time, inside grieving because she wished she could complain about her pregnancy. For seven years, we tried. Doctors, tests. I mean, my wife turned into a human lab rat. I mean, just every week giving blood, giving blood, giving blood. Every month, hoping, no, hoping, no, hoping. 
So one day after a high school service Saturday night, right before I was getting on stage to preach to our high school service, uh, I had a mom come up to me, and the mom walked up to me kind of intense. She goes, I need to talk with you after service. By the way, that never turns out well, ever, right? I'm like, okay. I got up on stage, and all I could think about is, what did I say last weekend? What did I say last weekend, right? Like, I'm just like, what did I do? What did one of my team members do? Like, so I, I preached, and I got done, and uh, I found her afterwards. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just waiting for it, waiting for it. She goes, where's your wife? I'm like, well, I can go grab her. She go grab her. I'm like, oh, no, she's bringing my wife into this. What did I do? We sat down with her, and she started to tell the story about this person that she worked with at this Christian school, and this person's a great aunt, and they just got two, two kids into uh, their house because um, she's a great aunt. And uh, they, they discovered that these two kids uh, were living on the streets. And um, here at that point was one. Caden at that point was four months. When Caden was born, he was addicted to meth, and alcohol was in his system, and marijuana was in his system, and the uh, first time I held Caden, he was uh, four pounds. And I remember this moment, Kira had just turned one, and I remember like, oh God, like, maybe this is how you want our family. Like, this is, right? It's an epic story, yay God, you know, seven years, can't have kids, and all of a sudden, you know, we... We might be able to adopt them. So we, we got licensed as foster care workers, and all of a sudden, Kira came into our home. Caden uh, was still in the hospital because, again, he was four pounds. The first time I held him, he had a couple holes in his heart that they repaired. He had a little club foot, foot and he had a trach in because he couldn't breathe because his lungs were underdeveloped. But I, I tell you, God, thank you. God, thank you. We just knew it was a matter of time for Caden to be healed. Just time. My friend and I went to St. George, Utah, beautiful. We ran the St. George Marathon, and uh, uh, we were short of cash, so my friend and I got up uh, in Vegas. From Vegas to St. George, is about a two-hour drive, so we got up at 4 a.m. that morning to drive two hours to have a 7 a.m. race start to finish the marathon and drive two hours back to Vegas after a marathon. That was not smart, by the way. <laughs> we got home that Saturday night. I got crawled into bed. The next morning, Cadian's apnea monitor, monitor went off. I gave him CPR on the floor, called 911, and 48 hours later, my son was gone. Now, I share that story with all of you because I begged God to heal my son. I don't know if you've begged God before. I, I begged God because I'd prayed before, and I... I've, I had experienced God's healing in people's lives. And it was the first time I experienced the no. And I just want you to know, if you're experiencing God's no, I'm just telling you, there's something he's getting ready to do in you and through you. And I look back at that that period now, and I tell you, I went through a grieving period, I went through an anger period, I hit some walls, I got counseling, I mean, I went through it all. But I look back on that now, because my son today, if he would be alive, he'd be 15 years old. But I look at my 16-year-old. 
She's now taller than me. Which, by the way, parents, if you have a child taller than you, it's, it's hard to yell at them when they're taller than you. So I carry around a little step stool and I step up on it. Like, but I, I, I look at her and then I look at my 12-year-old who's our miracle child. Because we have no idea and the doctors have no idea how my wife got pregnant with her. Because they said we could never have kids. And I look back, and I wish my son was here today. Don't hear that. But who God has made me to be, as I was left in pieces, and God piece by piece by piece by piece molded me back into who he wanted me to be, who I am now as a father, who I'm now as a husband, and who I am as a pastor is such a better version because when I was in pieces, God brought me back together. I'm just telling you, Maybe God is saying no to you, and I just want you to know, it might not help you right now, but when you have faith, when you trust, when you believe that God is, he is, and he's with you, and he's for you, right? When you just trust that, even when your pain out screams your words, when you just trust, like, God, I, I can't see the good in this now, but I'm going to trust that you're with me. I, I'm believing that you're with me, that, God, that I'm in pieces, but in your hands, you're going to put me together back in a beautiful mosaic. In June of 16, I was done with church. I'm on a bike riding down Jacksonville Road outside of Lock Haven. And I just said, God, I'm done. I'm done. Not like I would still go to church. Like I wasn't like going to not stop going to church. I was just done with leadership in church. Like I, I was already planning on showing up at some person's church, and I was going to feel so bad for that lead pastor because he was going to have to deal with me. So if I ever show up here in a moving truck, sorry, Mel, I'll be right on the front row. I'm on my road bike, I'm riding, and I'm saying, God, I'm done. I love you, God, I love you, God, but I'm done. And you know what God said? No, Chris. I was in pieces again. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to put you back together again. And two years later, this last weekend, I walk off stage. My, my wife was hosting that weekend. She was walking off stage. I was getting ready to go back on stage. And I grabbed her. I put my arms around her and I whispered in her ears. So glad God wasn't done with us yet. Right? Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not now. And sometimes he says not how. And I would never have dreamt of that we would move to a city of 7,000 people. <laughs> now I have story after story after story after story of only God moments pushes me back on my heels. He said, God, 
I know that the testing of your faith, the testing of my faith, the testing of my trust, the testing of my belief produces perseverance, produces endurance. See, that's why James wrote, consider. Allow it be your leading thought. That no matter the, the number, the types, the intensity, the quantity of the trials that you face, that it's important because when it comes, it's going to produce perseverance. And then he wrote, let perseverance, let endurance finish its work so that, it, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I love the, the literal translation. It says this, let perseverance complete its work so you will be completed. And that's why I can say to all of you, yeah, I wish my son was here. Hear, hear that. But who I am today is so much more complete. And even in those words, right? I'm just telling you, even in those words, I would love for him, but I just want you to know who I am. And that's what happens when you allow it to complete. When you consider it, when it's your leading thought, joy, and to say, God, I don't know how you're going to work through this season, but God, I'm just trusting you, I'm believing you that you're going to take all the pieces that my life is in shambles right now and you're going to put me together and it's going to be complete and it's going to be beautiful and there might still be some pain and some sorrow behind those words, but God, I'm going to see your beauty in it. So let me end with these two quick thoughts. Do what only you can do. And trust God to do what only he can do. Right? See, that's where, that's where it, it all comes down to. I'm going to do what only I can do. And I don't know what you're facing, but trust God to do what only he can do. Right? That's the act of surrender. To say, God, I'm just going to live my life with open hands. I, I'm going to want to hold on tight. I'm going to want to tighten my grasp. I'm going to want to make this. I, I want to control, but God, I'm just going to. I'm just going to do what I can do, and God, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that you're going to do what only you can do. And as you consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face plant into trials of many kinds, and as God starts to put you back together again, this is my encouragement for all of you. You got to step through your impossible. And help make someone's impossible possible. Right? I was at a church in Jersey. And this family, the Morellas, had a son that had one of those like 0.01% diseases. He was actually a case study because so few kids had this disease. And up to that point, I had not done a funeral again since my son died. I just 
I, I use my um, opt-out card. Uh, I literally told my boss at Central in Vegas one day, he's like, hey, could you do a funeral? I said, nope. My son died. Nothing he could have said. So I hadn't done a funeral up to that point. That was about mm, eight years. I just couldn't or, or wouldn't. Sitting at a movie theater in the suburbs of, of Jersey. My wife and my kids were getting ready to get out of the car to go into a movie. My phone rings. It's Steve. And he goes, our son just passed away. I hung up the phone, I looked at my wife, and I said, I guess my first funeral will be Steve's son. You see, when you get to that place where you can step through your impossible, God does something so powerful healing within you as you make, help make someone's impossible possible. And the amount of healing that happened within my soul that day, sitting with Steve, and his wife and his kids. The amount of healing that happened that day at his son's funeral. I'm just telling you, when you step through your impossible and say to God, God, I can't, but you can. God's going to use your impossible to help make someone's impossible possible. This is the prayer that has guided me. God, help me to see what you see. Guide me, direct me. I desire to stay one small step behind. And if you want to go all King James, change you to thee. Now it rhymes. <laughs> See what I did there? It's, it's just been a prayer. God, help me to see what you see. Because, right, when we're in the midst of it all, right, when we're in the midst of it all, it's hard to see anything in front of us, isn't it? Right? God, help me to see what you see. God, you guide me. You direct me. And God, I want to stay one small step behind thee. God, I don't want to get in front of you. I don't want to go the opposite direction from you. And God, if I stay close enough to you, I can hold on to you. God, I'm going to stay so close that I, I can feel your presence. God, I'm going to stay so close that I just know you're there. Because God, help me to see what you see. Guide me, direct me. I want to stay one small step behind thee. And my prayer for all of you, no matter what you're facing right now or what's coming your way, and you don't even know it's coming, but you're going to face plant into it. My prayer for all of you is this, is stay one small step behind God. Because I tell you, when you're in pieces and you say to God, God, Help me to see what you see. Guide me, direct me. I want to stay one small step behind thee. He's going to start putting pieces back together. And then one day, he's going to say, step through your impossible and help someone's impossible <laughs> be possible. Let's pray. Lord, you know what's going on in people's lives right in this room. Lord, you know exactly 
the impossible that they're facing right now. And you know, God, the, the impossible that they're going to face plant into tomorrow, next week, next month. Like you, you know. And Lord, I just pray that even if it's difficult for them to see you through the pain, through the unknown, through the fear, through the anger, through the wise, like God, that you, that you'll make your presence known. That our pieces in your hands become such a beautiful mosaic. You're a God of healing. You're a God of restoration. And you're a God that weeps when we weep. God, help me, help us to see what you see. Guide us, direct us. We desire to be one small step behind you. Please stand.